Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen? I said amen. Once again, the Lord will give you understanding. The Holy Spirit will speak to you this evening. I want to say something specially today. Today you will receive fresh direction. Today you will receive fresh direction concerning what to do. Somebody is listening to me. You want to know, should I live where I'm working now? Should I start a business or should I stay where I am right now? I don't have an answer for you, but just pay attention. You will receive divine instruction in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, the power of healing is coming forth. What did I say? There is no other way. If we are healed by a miracle, you will need the word to sustain it. Do you follow my point? It's important we always pay what? What's our payment? He said, my son, attend to my words. He said, they are life to those who find them and health to their whole body. This evening again, pay attention. I said what? And healing is coming to somebody today in the name of Jesus. Many people will be healed, may not be dramatic, but that word is working. It's called the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It is giving life to your mortal body. So again, receive life this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Okay, today again, we are going to continue our teaching on power for wealth. We are not just teaching methods for doing something. We are arranging our hearts to be able to receive grace. We are arranging our lives to be able to receive grace. We are arranging our system to be able to receive grace. What we are doing, or the way by which we are doing it, is by what the Bible calls the renewing of our minds. We are changing our definitions. We are changing our understanding. You know, life is spiritually lived. God pours grace. You know, I've thought about it very, very much. That, you know, please don't be deceived. People tell you that Americans plan their, plan their country very well, and then it became what it is. It's not true. I'm not saying they did not plan. But the ability to plan alone is grace. Who is it that can declare a thing? You understand? And it will stand when the Lord has not commanded it. You can plan, and the plan will not stand. There are times God will look at the plan and say, this plan will not stand. So let them gather. He said, I have spoken. It will not stand. He said, they can gather, but I will scatter it. You must understand that. It is possible to gather, and God scatters. That's what he said. They may gather, but I will scatter. So it is not planning. It's not planning that works. It is only when you have been blessed that you now plan, it seems, into the blessing. I hope you're getting my point here. It's very important you understand it. If you are not blessed, you will struggle and struggle and struggle. You will still fail. You know, if you read your Bible well, you see God will tell Israel, I'm taking you to a land where you don't have to struggle to succeed. What was he saying? He said, the land drinks water from what? The rains of heaven. Where you don't have to water it with your feet. In Egypt, they had to water with their feet. 
He said, I want to take you to a land that drinks water of the rains of heaven. That is, I pour a blessing upon the land. Please, let's bear it in mind. All right? Let nobody deceive you that this person, listen, he said, by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. Now, the way I'm going is, he says, so that what we see do not come out of things that are visible. Faith helps us to understand that. If nations were built by the strength of mankind, how come Daniel could tell you about the rising and the falling of nations centuries ahead? One of the direct prince was preaching, and he was prophesying. And he said, the Lord told him that I have been good to the United States of America. And the Lord said that to him, because the Lord was angry and was displeased. And for a long time, he's been threatening his judgment over the land. Why? He said, I have been good to them. Once, my friend and I drove to, to go and look for something. We drove to the outskirts of Houston, somewhere, one of the, you know, the suburbs where he lived. So he parked and went. So I was just looking around. So I saw the trees, you know, like a forest kind of, where we were. So I said, did they plant these trees? Now the trees were so well arranged and so straight, I thought they were planted. So I just looked at the trees. I said, hey, my guy, did they, you guys planted these trees? He said, no, that's natural forest. I said, what? He said, yeah, that's natural, unattended forest. Then why are the trees so straight? And I remember that God used to talk about the cedars in Lebanon. Now, this was not as big as cedars. But you see that God gave them trees. And, you know, so suddenly, because I used to ask them questions like, if I one day I was on a flight, one guy was sitting beside me, he's Canadian, and we're talking, he was showing me how, that he's a, he's a builder. Shows me the houses he's built and all of that. I said, good. There's a question that's, that's been on my mind for a long time. Why do you guys build with wood? I said, back in Nigeria, where I come from, we use cement blocks. You know, really, he couldn't answer me. He didn't know. He has just always built with wood. So after a while, he said, well, he guess it's cheaper. I said, well, that makes sense. Somebody told me that uh, uh, cement is heavy. I said, so are you kind it on the head? <laughs> Somebody told me that uh, he lived in America. I said, why do you guys build with wood? And he told me something like uh, the land and the weight. I said, are you people carrying the, the house on the head? It's not on the ground. Like with the one we put in, in Nigeria. Where are you hurrying to? He says faster. What is the hurry? The, my, I mean, the house, they last over a hundred years. So what is the hurry? I mean, if you have money, forget speed. If you have money, we can finish a cement house for you also in a few months. So what is the speed? That they now understood one of the reasons. Because people tend to use what they have. They have the wood. We can't because we don't have it. We have a lot of sand, cement, it's relatively cheap for us. So we use that. But where I'm going is the fact that when I saw there are trees, I said this country prospered before you, the white people arrived. God blessed the land. He spoke a blessing into the land. That's the first thing you have to bear in mind. If God hasn't spoken a blessing into your life, you're struggling for nothing. You're struggling for nothing. If God hasn't spoken a blessing, it's pure struggling for nothing. And one thing we must understand about Christ Jesus is that he made, he gave us his blessing. He blessed us with every form of spiritual blessing. And they are kept in heavenly places. That doesn't mean you find it when you get to heaven. It means it cannot be corrupted. Our father who at where? Does it mean we only see him when we get to heaven? He's not affecting our lives on a daily basis. He's affecting our lives on a daily basis. 
So when it says blessings are kept in heaven, it doesn't mean that it's only when you die you'll find it. It means it's kept in a place where it cannot be corrupted. Listen, curses are real. They are real. The only thing is that they have been removed in the lives of believers in Christ Jesus by the power of his blood. Sometimes I see people analyze what's going on in the world. They give you the impression that, you know, the problem with Africans is that we go to church too much. I said, thank God you are going to church. There are civilizations that were not blessed. Generations that were not blessed. They did not go to church. You don't know about them because God has wiped them out and wiped out the very memory of them. They make you look like the reason why you are down is because you go to church. I said, don't go. You will know where you will be. Don't go first. You see, a man, he's barely surviving. He says it's because he's working for this particular man. If only he was on his own. Hmm. He go down blow. Resign first. Stop working there first. Go. That's what I'm trying to say. God is blessing people. They are struggling. Yes, as a matter of fact, against forces that are pulling them down. They are struggling against forces that want to bury them. Then they go to church. They get a bit of respite. So instead of being on ground minus one, I don't want to say ground zero. Instead of being underground, they're just on level, let's say, four or five. And then you now see a man who is on level 50. You compare the two. And because this one is going to church, and you think this one doesn't go to church. You see, the problem is that he goes to church. You don't know that without that church, that is that church, that knowledge of God is what kept him above being buried. And the man that you see flying, he don't know the blessing he's walking with. Go and read. If you read Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, he will explain. Like I say, all the time when I read, I'm very careful to see the spiritual lessons. Malcolm Gladwell will let you know about the reasons why people get blessed. I mean, something like Bill Gates. He will say that, that, okay, essentially what he's trying to explain in that book, Outliers, is this. That, okay, I'll bring out two of the lessons. And I've read it long ago. can't remember everything, but I remember these two. That one, the season came for a particular thing. I hope you're getting my point. It was just a season. And that some people were prepared for that season. How be it not deliberately? They did not know the season was coming. They were just what? Prepared for the season. So two things jammed. Preparation and season. Preparation and the season. So by the time the, micro, um, the um, software industry was going to blow... According to him, Bill Gates had put in 10,000 hours into coding, minimum. By the time they were going to start producing music on disk and distributing it, is it B-Tools or, or, or um, what's the name of the other guy? Give an example. Um, Elvis, Elvis Presley had put in 10,000 hours of practice, minimum. Now, but one thing you don't realize, people say, okay, it's good to put 10,000 hours into something. Then who told you? How will you know the one that's about to hit? Many people have put 10,000 hours into farming with who and cutlass. I know what happened? Nothing. There are those who put 10,000 hours into industries that are disappearing. So that's what the Bible says, time and what? Chance. They did not know the time was going to happen. The time happened to them by chance. I'm not going to explain something here. So let nobody fool you that human beings can determine anything. They can't. Kingdoms are given. The power belongs to God. Kingdoms are given. The power belongs to God. 
kingdoms are given. And the Bible says, even to the least likely, he gives the kingdoms of men. God will just look and say, you take the kingdom. Now, you will be speaking against spiritual understanding. If you get angry, how come this man who's just a primary school leaver is a senator from our area? You don't know God if you say that. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because God gives kingdoms. Kingdoms are given to the least likely. The race, as a matter of fact, is not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. Time and chance, it says, happens to them all. You think, um, what's, the, what, what, what's the name of the reigning footballers now? I don't know football, man. But there's, is it Messi and Co? You think they are the best footballers? If you go and hear the story of some, I'm not saying I know any, I'm just telling you. That is Ronaldo, Messi and Co. There are people better than them. I remember those days, the days of, and I tell you old stories. Marco Van Basten. One injury took him out. Marco Van Basten was good. Somebody tackled him wrongly. That was the end of his life. In football. There are people that can play better than those that you know. I'm not saying I know any. But the day they came for scouting, they had malaria. So they were ill. And of course, the person who was coming to do the scouting, he didn't, um, he didn't see him. Now, wait him and see. But God took that one out and put somebody else there. That's all. Time and chance. That's why we believers, listen, we, we, we understand all of these things. So we don't struggle the way people without understanding struggle. We understand that we're created for a purpose. The world must not be allowed to give us something else to pursue in life. What we pursue every day is the pleasure of God. Is God pleased with me? That's what I pursue every day. Every other thing, you make it a request. I've been saying it again and again. Don't choose your life. Don't arrange your career. Don't arrange your, uh, your, your, don't make your choices according to one material desire that you have. Don't. Make those things objects of prayer. Ask God for them. Don't say, I'm going to leave Enugu and go to Lagos or I go to Abuja because if I'm in Abuja, I have better opportunities for this and that. Don't do that. You pray before you move. I keep on telling Christians, geographical location is part of destiny. Let me say that again. Geographical location is part of destiny. Christians don't seem to know it enough. Once I was discussing with somebody, he said, but the Bible says everywhere the sole of your foot treads, it has given you to possess. I said, wait, you are quoting a scripture he gave to a set of people. I said, let's read it fully. You have to take this in context. I said, the same people, did he not give them boundaries? He didn't say just trek anyhow. He first told them where they should go trekking. But he now said to them, wherever you trek to, I will give to you. That is, assume God says to me, I've given you the whole of Enugu as an example. So he now says after that, wherever the sole of your feet, you understand, we tread upon, I have given to you. What it means is that if I tread over um, GRA, it's mine. But if I don't remember to trek down to Uwane, Uwane would not be mine for a while. Do you follow my point? Until my descendants grow and trek over there too. Then they trek there. They don't know they should go as far as Okunano. They will not get there. So it's not as if anywhere you're free. Because he told them, listen, um, see these people? They are called Edomites. Don't trek on their land. You know what he said? I will not give you as much as one square inch 
one small square foot, I won't give you. He said, why? Well, I have given that one. They are your brothers. I have given that one to them. He told the Moabites. It's the land of the Moabites. He said, when you want to pass through, negotiate. If you drink their water, pay. If they say you can't drink, hold your throat. He said, if you incite them to battle, if you are, now, this is how God behaves. If you are the one that started the fight, I will not defend you. Because that one I have given to your cousins. I have given to your brothers. Because the Edomites are descendants of Esau. The Moabites and the Ammonites, descendants of Lot. So he said, listen, don't touch their, don't touch their land. So don't just be trekking anyhow. Just get a trek to Amsterdam. <laughs> Say anywhere the soul of my food has saved me, I will possess. God said, bros, who sent you? Come here. Let me prove to you I did not send you. That was a visiting visa. It expired three weeks ago. Go home. I cannot be sending you on a visa you have to overstay. What's wrong with you? Before you move from one place to the other, I don't say people don't move. People, I didn't say that. People do. But they pray. They pray. God, God speaks to them different ways. Why? Because geography is part of destiny. There's no ministry that does not have a target. There is no ministry that doesn't have a target. God sends a ministry somewhere. Geography is part of destiny. If you go and I think it's living Bible. James was saying that those who say they, they will go to this city, will go like this, will make money. He says such people vanish like smoke. He said they just vanish like smoke. You don't just get up and say somebody tells that something is better in other place. No. Listen, this is a statement I made before. Let me make it again. Don't make your decisions in life because of your desires. Your desires must be made objects of what? Prayer. You can have desires. It's not a problem. I said it last time. If I decide that, God, I want, my, I want to live in a house that has five floors. God said, what do you need top floor for? So I want to, I, I, no, that, that top is going to have big windows. I want cool breeze to blow me anytime. I want to relax my wife and I. And we are eating early in the morning and late in the evenings. I say, okay. Next floor, uncle, is for his family dining. Then the last three floors, as the ones below, is the normal living that common people live. You know, God will never be angry with you. It's when you start changing jobs and changing careers and learning to sing because of two-face, because you want to, you want to build a house of five floors. That is when you are here start having issues. If you limit those, your crazy desires to prayer points. Oh, it's okay. Funny enough, you know the one funny thing he does? He may actually grant it. The angels will say, well, what are we doing this house for? That the boy said he wants to eat on fifth floor. Is it costing us anything? Nothing. Leave him. Say, good boy. He may actually grant it. Sometimes he can teach you a lesson by granting foolish, <laughs> foolish requests. Because he gave you the house does not mean that birds will not come and stay there. So one day you are allowed the birds, all of them will start staying in your house. You will not be able to eat in peace. Say, do you still want to live on the fifth floor? Say, Lord, I don't think so. Say, okay, convert it to a hotel. Let me move you somewhere else. What I'm going to say is that, listen, God can grant any request. Just made, I was just joking about it. But he does grant. And just limit your desires in life to prayer points. But when you want to make decisions, make decisions like a person of destiny. Destiny does not include what you eat. Destiny does not include how large you live. 
Destiny is the impact you make on the earth in the lives of other people. That is what destiny is. And I'm saying to you again, it's geographically delineated. It is. It's not everywhere you will manifest. There are places you go, and that's it, you've disappeared. Food-wise, your table will be bigger. You will eat more than before. But your ability to impact life vanishes. You become another statistical figure. Please, let's get these things in mind. Alright? These are the things I've been trying to explain. So as believers, we reason like that. God gives grace. We operate by grace. Whatever we want to do in life, we must be operating by what? By grace. And how does grace flow? It is by aligning our thoughts, our hearts with that, with that of God. That's it. So we get our definitions right. We understand divine precepts. We swallow, we imbibe, and are transformed by divine precepts. We understand how God does things. We understand what he says about things. We understand the things that are important as far as it's concerned, and we understand the things that are not important as far as it's concerned. And if he says something is not important, we know it's not important. If he says this one is important, we know it's important. For example, he tells us a good name is better than being rich. So first of all, we strategize for having a good name. Not hypocritically good name, but a really good name. So it's not just what people think of me, but am I really good? Because I'm reflecting him. I'm not, the good name is not for myself. Not to us. Not to us. It is to your name that you give glory. We read that. God gives glory to his name. So we understand when he says a good name is better, we agree with him and we live like that. So if something appears like it's going to soil, if I'll tell you, you know, funny things. Do you know? I don't play lotteries and stuff like that. Do you know why? Do you know the reason why? Betting, of course, betting is, is even a sin in itself. I hope you, if you are doing all those betting, they have all kinds of names, all, all kinds of bet. Let me not mention the name of any company. They're just plastic bet, phone bet, water bet, heaven bet, hell bet, you know, all those Nigeria bets, bet Nigeria. You, you know them. You're a sinner if you are playing. You're a sinner. But generally, you know one reason why I don't like playing anything like that, apart from the fact that you're a sinner? I don't want to win. As long as you don't want to win? Yes, I don't want to win. Why don't you want to win? Because if I win, you will hear about it. And you'll be encouraged. There might be a blessing to you by that. No. So I pray to the Lord, please, I don't want to win, so don't let me even play. Say, so can you hammer like this? Ten million dollars. I say, leave him. What name am I going to be showing that tell young people this is how to make it in life? This is Pastor Baggy. He won ten million dollars when he played, played bet, bet your head. <laughs> Do you know how many lives I was destroyed like that? When I say destroy, I mean destroy. Let me just tell you, those of you who are, say, if you, are, you know, James said, not everybody should want to be teacher. So this job is a serious job. You don't think only for yourself. You know, you don't think about yourself. You, know, you think about other people that look at you. And they take instructions. One brother sick him last week. Or, no, on Tuesday. Yes. He's been, he, he tried his best to see me. We finally got to see. When he finished test, giving me testimonies about his life and his wife, he just got married. Next time I had to pray. You know, he didn't, I, I was praying for myself. Say, God, please, may I not mislead anybody? May I not say what is not true? May I not make anybody do that which you don't want him or her to do? I started praying. Because I saw people making decisions because of what I said. 
I wanted to do this, but I remember you said it, so I did the opposite. I said, oh, oh, that is weight. You are putting a heavy burden upon me. When I hear things like that, one day I heard a man, I said something on radio. One young man sent it, it was a young man, the way he wrote. He sent a message that, please, he wants to know the things that I'm wrong in. Because I was just trying to, you know, you know, modesty, just trying to be modest. That's not that I'm correcting everything. Anybody can make a mistake. Oh boy, panic. Say, Pastor Bank, I want to know the ones you are wrong in because I have obeyed every single thing. There is nothing you say I don't obey. I wrote him back. I said, oh boy, you are safe. Don't worry. Because I, I was not just talking, just being modest on air. He heard it. He said, what? Pastor Bank, you mean you are wrong on something? Let me know what that one is so I can go and rearrange my life according to that. So when I pray, I say, Lord, before I ask for God, uh, before I ask the Lord, bless me materially. First prayer point is, Lord, let me not, because I speak openly. I say, Lord, even when I'm joking, let me not joke wrongly. Sometimes I hear something pastors say on the pulpit. I'm, I'm just scared for them. Do you, do you realize that God will have to retire you after a short while? He has to. You are leading people astray. Small digression. When Ken Hagin was giving that prophecy, in 59, God told him by the end of 65, I am removing the man who stands as the leading prophet in your nation. I'm removing him. Why? He said he's leading the body of Christ astray. The man died. A drunken driver jammed him and killed him December 65. What was his sin? He's leading people astray. So I prayed, Lord, please, no drunken driver, no jamming. But that's not how we pray the prayer. We pray by saying, Lord, let me not lead anybody astray. So that's what I meant. You know, I just, that's a digression. When I said that, I don't want to win lottery. Because when you hear about it, you think that's how to hammer. Instead of going to work, you'll be buying coupon. <laughs> oh, there's a prayer I pray for young people. I've not prayed in a long time. Everybody here, whether you're young or old, bring out your phone. Bring out your phone. I know it's off. Bring it out, bring it out. Bring it out, young or old. I can you bring out your phone? Anybody? You are not exempt. Israel, bring out your phone. Apostle, your own is in your hand. Good. My wife, I know her own is in her hand. Now, where there, Bible, the way your phone. If you don't have it here, bring it out in your heart. <laughs> Lord, any device. Oh, if you are streaming, you are joining us, even if you are playing this later. All right? Bring it out, too. Now, let me now pray my prayer. Lord, any device that has a betting app on it will die within the next three hours unless it is installed. Because I know I'll be done with this preaching within three hours. You understand my point? The motherboard will die in the name of Jesus. Apostle, help me say amen. Amen. Mysteriously, it will die in the name of Jesus. If you have a betting app on your phone, your tab, your computer, whatever it is, I curse that device to die in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You have a short while to uninstall it. That's why I gave it a few hours. No, it won't die right now because you might be, like right now we are here, your phone is either off or you can't pay attention to it now. Or, you know, you are listening to this, your phone is not nearby. But from the time you pick up the phone, and remember this prayer. You have five minutes to uninstall. Otherwise, it will die. Somebody say amen. Yeah. The replacement will die. Yeah. 
How many will die? You want more to die? <laughs> Two is okay. Okay. Yes. Nonsense. Children of God will play something bet. As an, no, Nigeria bet, River Niger bet, whatever it is, bet River Niger. Can't be betting. Satan is controlling your life like that. It's a satanic principle to be betting. These betting companies are satanic companies. I don't know why federal government is allowing them to survive. They are worse than cigarette smoking, cigarette companies. That tax, we reject it in Jesus' name. It's called the wages of a harlot. You don't take it to the temple. It's wages of harlotry. Nonsense. The Lord is good. Where were we? We were preaching, right? Let's get back to the preaching. Don't swear, finish. That's a prophetic one. That's another joke. If you want to use your iPhone as an experiment, try. Don't go and install it on your brother's phone. Your own will still die. Because some people, some people want to play me while you know. I can feel their spirit. So those young boys in secondary school say, I will install it on my uncle's phone. Your uncle's phone will survive. They didn't hear me preach. Your phone will die mysteriously. Listen, nobody will steal it. It will just die. You'll be using that. They just see the screen. Would you go blank? Try and put it on. That's the end of it. The matter is a motherboard, fatherboard, picking board. And it, eh, the phone is not working again. Just know it died by the spirit. That is what you were supposed to use, die by fire for. Have you? They kill your enemies. We kill your phone. Any ungodly phone has betting rubbish bet. Wealth gathered by labor is what increases. Not using betting to want to make, even giving yourself unnecessary hope. Think about it. Statistically, it is unlikely to profit you. That's number one. Number two, even if it did, the money does not last. I don't understand wasting my time talking about that now, but just wanted to drop that by the way. So, back to what we're trying to say. So, we are realigning our brains, we're understanding the word of God, and we are getting ready for the release of what? Grace. You know what grace is? Grace is God's power to make things happen in your life with minimal effort. Let me say that again. Grace is God's power, God's ability to make things happen in your life with minimal effort on your side. Now, that effort is part of it. It must be there because you must do something. But what does grace do? Grace looks at the little you have done and it amplifies it in result. Grace continues to work even while you are sleeping because you've done your part during the waking hours. And grace says, go and sleep. We'll handle the rest. That's what grace does. Bear that in mind. Alright, the Lord is good. Now what I want to continue on, alright, in that uh, line today, we'll come to an end of this. I mean, of course, as you know, we are closing in another, I think we have two more meetings for the year, and then we are done for this year. We'll continue again next year, if the Lord wills. So what I want to explain today is one particular principle that, of course, up to this point, we have been discussing about many things, the reasons why we do business as believers. Business is where, how we are making things happen. It's not our source of survival. God is our source. God can make resources flow towards us, even if we are not doing that thing, but he, he gives those things to us as instructions, as commandments for life. So we look at things that we are doing like that as assignments from God. Now, so we are continuing. What I want to bring out today, this evening is to help us understand something again, something we all know, just want to admonish us concerning it. 
that God, even though he has pronounced a blessing, which we started with, we have a blessing. Somebody say amen. amen. Blessings, when God wants to bless a land, or if he has commanded a blessing upon a particular land, he doesn't bless the land in itself. He blesses the land for, because of somebody. I hope you're getting my point. So, somebody goes into that land with the blessing of God in him, in her. All right? Bear that in mind. Now, we have a responsibility, bless people, to pour that blessing upon the land. There are many ways we do that. One of the ways we pour a blessing upon the land is to pray for it and declare positive words, the word of God upon the land. For example, we live in Nigeria. I mean, those of us who are here, and for that reason, Nigeria is our country. God is saying the blessing of the country, the survival of the country, the prosperity of the country depends on us, his people. Will the country be at peace? It depends on us. Will the country prosper? It depends on us. Now, there are, th- there are two things we are supposed to do. One, or there are two things we do that affect um, the blessedness of the land. One, how we pray and talk. And two, it's, all, it's actually one thing, all right? But for the purpose of explanation, I just have to bring it to two. Number one, how we pray and talk. Number two, how we behave. Just one thing, actually. That is the kind of spiritual um, field we are generating. We can generate negative spiritual fields by our words, by our critical words. Always seeing everything wrong with everything. Looking for an excuse every time to criticize and condemn and complain. That generates a negative spiritual field for the country, and it affects rules that are built. It affects rail, rail lines that are made. It affects companies that are set up. It affects the value of the Naira. Listen, learn to see from above, not from beneath. I looked at it again in the world right now, for your information. God is judging this world, and he will continue to judge it. I don't see him relenting. I have thought about it. The Lord is not going to relent soon. The Bible describes him. I was looking for that scripture. I stumbled into it again. He is a God that has indignation constantly. He's angry. I can perceive his anger. He's judging the world. He's going to continue. I don't see him stopping a long time. He's going to bring nations to their knees. He will. He will punish the earth. He's done it again and again. And we keep on preaching wrongly. That is the devil. And I want to tell preachers, please, he said his glory, he will give to no graven image. Stop giving the glory of God to the devil. If you see half a million people die in one day, worship God. Don't shout the devil. If a tsunami hits another bandayache and takes 300,000 in one day, worship the Lord and fear before him. And remember what Jesus said. Except you repent, you will likewise perish. If you see a continent like maybe Europe, and you are European, and one nation near you is suffering something terrible, fear before the Lord. We're Africans. If you see a terrible thing happening in one neighboring African country, fear before the Lord. When NSAS matter came up in Nigeria, of course, over the last few weeks, and the crisis that followed, the, the riots and all of that, and we began to pray, and we began to pray. For a lot of our big, uh, a lot of our ministers, 
like they say, they dropped the ball badly. They didn't react quickly to that thing on time, but good enough, God raised some people and they prayed and that whole thing went down. I turned around and I saw a civil war break out in Ethiopia and it scared me. When I say scared, what I meant is that I looked and I said, the things that we see do not come out of the things that are visible. Those spirits are riding everywhere. You repel them from somewhere. They look for somewhere else to go and unleash their, 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 their terror. I remember the story of one man. He was in a church. And something used to go wrong in that church. And anytime he would prepare a message, he wants to preach, it will not flow. So he went to and prayed. Make a long story short. Now, there's so much to this story. I'm just going to give you the part he gave, all right? But there's so much more, all right? There's so much more. The division amongst the people and all of that. That's what brought the spirit in. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about that spirit. Then he went to church one day, and God opened his eyes. And he looked up, and I saw an evil spirit sitting up on the roof of the church. The roof cleared. He could just see the spirit sitting down there. So he commanded the evil spirit to come down. And he cast the spirit out of the church. This is where I'm going. As the spirit ran out, he told him to get out of here in the name of Jesus Christ. He saw it enter a bar nearby. He went down the road, enter a club, a night club or something. Next day, it burnt down. That's where I'm going. The very next day, that club burnt down. Today, a man drove his spirit out of his church and he entered into a, a club or something. The next day, the club it entered into burnt down. Don't joke. This life <laughs> is controlled by spiritual things. When you hear of yellow fever, just know that what happened, we prayed, Corona could not stay, so he winked at yellow fever. Let's see whether they will fall for it. So now the thing came, trying to ravage some villages. You pray again, you continue praying. This life is warfare. It's warfare. When civil war broke out in Ethiopia, I just re- this was just a few days after we finished quelling the one happening in Nigeria. I just, this thing just walked across to our right there. I said, what is he doing here? And why I said I feared was I said, was this what we averted? Let's bear it in mind, though. <laughs> so the, world, the Lord is judging this world. That's what I'm going to make. So what we do, I mean, remember the spirit that was in Nineveh. People repented. They cried to God, and he spared them. And he still spares people till now. So when you see him riding over the earth with judgment, plead for your own land. That's the point I'm making. You are the salt of the earth. The meaning of salt is simple. God wants to judge the land. He will look at you and say, I have found my righteous people inside there. I will suspend judgment. That is the meaning of the word, of the phrase, salt of the earth. That's what that expression means. So, uh, I just feel, <laughs> let me just sit with this for a moment. I feel like we should talk about it. We are fighting all the time, I know. You are in a warfare. We are at war, believers in Christ Jesus. That's why we put on the full armor of God. We are fighting for territories. We are saying to Satan, we are saying to the kingdom of darkness, you will not have this nation. Go and read rejoiner. Final quest. He said a lot of Christians are carrying evil spirits and fighting for the devil. They don't realize it. And let me tell you something, believers, be careful. Because if you are fighting on the enemy's side, they are fighting on the enemy's side. If you are fighting on the enemy's side, the Lord will look at if he sees the devastating effect of your fight against his purpose, he takes you out. Godliness is discipline. Paul said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You know what that means? It means it does not come naturally. 
When I say to Christians, don't open your mouth and curse the nation, I'm not saying to you, you will not have reasons to want to do it. Your salary is stagnant, fuel price is going up, you will have reasons to want to do it. Your income is stagnant, your profit in your business, lockdown dropped everything, yet the value of the naira against the dollar all right, is going negative by your own calculations. You began a few weeks ago on 360, a few months ago. Now you keep hanging between 450 and 500. You don't know where you are. You have reasons to speak. You see here of kidnapping, of murders and stuff like that. You still have reasons to speak. The Kaduna to Abuja Rail has been running every day. Nobody talks about it. He broke down one night. The video was all over the world. You have reasons to speak. <laughs> one lady was shouting, I have a fast fly, fight, fly to catch. And I feel like okay, when cars break down, I think they ask who gets flight, who not get flight before we break down. You have a flight, now break down will be later. Let's quickly drop this guy first. Nobody does that. So we have reasons to speak. I'm not going to say. So that's why godliness is discipline. So we discipline ourselves, Paul wrote to Timothy, for the purpose of godliness. It's discipline. It's discipline. Which means there are times you want to speak negatively. But you will say no. This, this mouth is supposed to be a spring of good water for the land. It will never bring forth negative ones. Evil water, bad water will not come from the mouth. And remember, there are so, and you must understand it. So many people are pouring in that negative one. They don't need you. I discovered this long ago. For over 30 years, I've not spoken one word against any head of state in Nigeria for over 30 years. For more than 30 years. When General Abacha died, I got on my knees and prayed for the country, especially for the church. I said, this is foolishness. And you saw the people rejoicing all over the place. Everybody, I saw them rejoicing. One man died. Do you know who's coming after him? Did the Bible not say, even if you considered him your enemy, that don't rejoice when your enemy perishes. When he stumbles, he said, otherwise God will see it and withhold his hand of judgment. He said, so when your enemy stumbles, when he perishes, what do you do? You lament like David did. I'm one person that's convinced. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to David directly, but I suspect Samuel taught David. I suspect it's not just that encounter that David and Samuel had, but David was instructed. A man, I mean, think about it. Saul sent people to hunt David down. Twice he fired at him. The gun they had that time. <laughs> Threw his javelin at him twice. Tried to pin that young man to the wall. Tried to kill him directly two times. Many times, people would go around looking for David. He got to a small village populated by priests alone. Because David passed through, he killed everybody. So it wasn't, you know, it's not this imaginary enemy. My, my, my uncle's wife is a witch. She's the one that said I will not prosper. The one that said I will not marry. That's my fire. You know those kind of stupid, stupid mindset that Christians have? Hungry prophets will be giving you visions of lies and you are believing it. Do you have a black person in your family? In Africa, in Africa. I don't care whether all of you are yellow. You have a cousin. We go marry one from, from my side of Nigeria. Now in the block, born black children. I've been at Chooks, now your uncle they marry, something like that. 
They believe in lies. So we're not even talking about that. We're talking about direct, incontrovertible enmity. Yet, when he died, David took up a lamentation against, uh, uh, for him. Thy beauty, O Israel, is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? Didn't you memorize that in secondary school? Okay, maybe you guys go to school differently. When we went to secondary school, we had to memorize it. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. O ye mountains of Gilboa. You know, we had to... <laughs> it became a chant. Boys, you know, we sit down and be firing at each other. The lamentation of a man for his enemy. They are quoting funny scriptures for me. That when, they, that when the wicked perishes, there are shouts of joy. I say, you don't understand. Judge not. You've already judged. Who told you the man is wicked? Newspapers. Who told you? Do you know what God is, what, was saying? You have no idea. Who gave you the right to point and judge? And secondly, the Bible says, Iniquity shall abound, therefore the love of many shall wax cold. Does it mean your love must wax cold? There are observations. There are observations. God makes some observations. He says it's an observation. It's a matter of fact in life. When a wicked man perishes, people are happy. It doesn't mean David should be happy when Saul perishes. That's why you are perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Your reaction to situations distinguishes you. I hope you're getting my point. So that's when people did when, when we did, they did all of that. I got on my knees. And I said that people don't understand. If we all unanimously rejoice like this, God will raise a successor more wicked than your perceived wickedness of the man that just died. And on the surface, you may think it did not happen. Go and check clearly. I don't want to, we are streaming, there's things we can't say. The people that schemed to replace him, other military officers said those men were wicked. Let me not mention names. Some Absalom had to be begged, literally, by some other people. Say, please, sir, you have to take this position. After the man died and was buried. God could have put somebody more wicked than your perceived wickedness of the former man. And what would be the, the reason? Because he's angry with your rejoicing. Listen, we have a duty to bless the land. We have a duty to pray. Just by the way, you know, I went through that. So for years, I never, if I have nothing to say, I say nothing. That if I have nothing positive to say, I'll be quiet. Why? You cannot, as a matter of fact, criticize with the same mouth with which you are praying. A lot of Christians these days, I know their prayers are ineffective. And I know. You say, Pastor, why are you judging? No, I just know they are not praying. Because, listen, when you pray, you can't pray without hope. You cannot be praying. Some people think they are praying. You know, the one that makes me laugh. Have you seen Christians gather to pray against the coming of the Antichrist? Have you seen, have you seen that prayer? <laughs> they gather. And I'm looking at them like, do you have a Bible? Antichrist will come. For, that is, you can't tell him not to come. The Lord never gave us a prayer point to pray against world takeover by new world order. Nonsense Nonsense idea, nonsense prayers. He made it clear to us, alright, that this is what happens. First of all, Paul said there must be the great falling away. 
apostasy. If there is no apostasy, the man of sin cannot come. Does not need to, it's not a prayer point. He shall not come. He said, I can't come. Where am I come? You guys still believe. You guys, I mean, look at your lives. I can't come. But there are places that are already getting ready for me to come. They are ordaining homosexual bishops. They are getting ready. They are, the church is sanctioning things like that. They are getting ready. It's called apostasy. Apostasy is when you take the word of God, you overlook it and write a new law to please mankind. That's apostasy. Apostasy is not just when you open your mouth and say Jesus is not Lord. That is the height of it. It doesn't start there. It doesn't start like that. It's little things. You start writing the laws of God. You start bowing to man's, the flesh, that is, the, the, the pleasure of man is more important to you. Why do you ordain homosexual uh, priests? You know, he did not make himself as if I made him. The person who made him, did not write the scriptures. And don't you understand that what, there's a way you behave, you sanction things and encourage people coming after. It's not, like I tell people all the time, if a, if a pilot is blind, will you enter his plane? Are you discriminating against him? He said, don't call blindness blindness anymore because you will hurt some people. It sounds funny. That's what's going on in, 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 in a lot of the world right now. Don't call blindness blindness because if you tell a man he's blind, he will hurt his feelings. Okay, bros, you can see. Go out by yourself. Oh, here, and you fall from high, upstairs. We'll go now far now. You know, the other day I had an argument with some of my people. They said coronavirus. Please, I know I've left my message. Some of you as a pastor, you, have, you, have, you, you don't miss them. I know. But I will soon find my way back. I don't put mental notes. But I'm, 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 I'm prophesying right now. So allow me flow. I had a discussion the other day. You know, they said coronavirus, anti-vaccine is being rolled out. And I had an intense argument with people. They said this one has a, it's an RNA vaccine. Some of you, whether I say it's a water virus or fire virus, that doesn't make any difference. Those of you know the meaning of RNA, you get what I'm trying to say. When I say RNA, some people are looking and say, what is RNA? Okay, let me tell you. It is messenger ribonucleic acid vaccine. Is that supposed to be easier? <laughs> That's supposed to be a joke, all right? <laughs> Argument is it's an RNA vaccine. It's the first time they are doing RNA vaccine. Because it's, RNA is close to DNA, you know that. So they said they will put it in you and change your, your genes and you now become a robot. So they say, what should Christians do? I said, listen, if you normally take vaccine, when they bring it, collect. That other joke is a joke. Nobody's, no, nobody's changing you to a robot by injecting you. This no, you see where I'm going. So we're not having an argument. Somebody now said that, ah, that I know somebody in UK, a lawyer in UK, listen to me, listen to me carefully, that said that he will never give it to his children. If they see that they must take it by force, he will take them and bring them home. I said, look at the deception I'm talking about. You sit down there, there are teachers that are gay, married. Men, men married each other, and they're your children's teacher. You have not withdrawn them from school and brought them home. They are taught, they are taught every day. Their, their gender is not determined yet until they are of age to know whether they are male or female. You have not withdrawn them to come home. They now bring a vaccine. Look at how Satan deceives people. They, they swallow a camel, then they strain out a gnat. Every day, the thing that brings in the Antichrist, you welcome it. You say nothing. Then they bring vaccine. Please go and read my book, Mark of the Beast. 
They cannot sneak the mark of the beast on you. You have to first of all worship the beast and his image. Until you are a worshiper of the beast and the image of the beast, you cannot take the mark of the beast. They don't put the mark on unsuspecting Christians. They first make them bow to the image of the beast. They start loving their lives because of poverty. They cannot withstand adversity. They are always looking for comfort every day. At the point in time, they will sell their best rice for a morsel of meat. At that time, listen to me, if the beast says, hello, good morning, I am the beast. Here is my identification card. I brought my mark for you. They will still take it. Why? They've lost the strength to resist. Like I said in that book, The Mark of the Beast. Is it those that could identify the beast of Nebuchadnezzar did not bow to it? No, ask me now. Is it those who could recognize the mark, the beast of Nebuchadnezzar? That image that did not bow. No, everybody knew what it was. Yet they all bowed. Only three guys said we are not bowing. Why? Hey, the Lord said we shall bow to him alone. No other graven image. No graven image. So when I see Christians trying to identify the mark of the beast, it makes me laugh. The identity of the mark is irrelevant. Whether you know it or not, if you are a bower, you are a bower. <laughs> You know my English? I have to manufacture once in a while. Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They knew this was a, they was a beast. In the, the image. They said we are not bad. Every other person, including many Jews. They said, I don't want to die. I get became for house. My wife loves me. I just bought land. This man can kill somebody. Let us bow on the surface but not bow in our hearts. God knows that in our hearts we are standing. <laughs> Everybody bowed. They didn't say that now that we have ended. No. Let me just take Christians. Don't be, don't be alarmed. They say if they put it in your right hand, don't take. Your phone is, where is it? No, be your right hand, they put it on every time. Did you not collect it? So they'll use it to monitor you. They've been monitoring you for a long time. People don't realize it. I hope you know you are being monitored every day. Sometimes when I see the amount of monitoring Google is doing in my life, I have to give my life to Christ. I will just need and say, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. These people have monitored me. They mo- that is, you say, Pastor Maki, hey, they know you. It is you too, all of us. It's not about me. It's been so arranged that in this life, either Apple or Google has all the information about your life. Unless you are not living in the modern world. Once you buy a phone, it is not usable until you get it an email address. You have to put in an email. Even Amazon, that thing will go there and hide in a lie. As you buy your Kindle Fire, you must put an email address. The way Google has networked your computer, that email address keeps popping up. There are times I go to a particular website. Maybe like, um, there's this particular one now. It's um, like, um, like an not Wikipedia, but they also have information like that. I go through Google, I just want to, I just open something. Maybe I want to read how books are printed. They just say, continue as Banky. I say, how did you know I was Banky? <laughs> Those who understand computing, they understand. The cookies they have on the computer, they've already, they've already programmed it to locate me. So they know every website. I have this funny habit. After a while, I said, Banky, there's no need. What I used to do my Google things, the browser, I use another one to you know for other things. 
But they are just looking at me and say, we, all, we know your IP. This one you are doing. They file every single thing. So when I Christians say that they want to monitor, they put in your right hand. It makes me laugh. You are already being monitored. Right now, you are being monitored. Especially those of us in Africa, where most of our governments don't really, don't worry much about cyber security. We are so severely monitored. They're not telling me that you will put chip in your right hand. I say, bros, the moment you bought a smartphone, you put the chip in your pocket. And you see what they call location services. Have you noticed that sometimes it will just come on by itself? I won't mention the name because we are streaming. Get one app. <laughs> now, Chinese people have one fear pass. There's one very popular app. They used to move things around. One day, in a month, I did not use it. I was just checking my data usage. And three, that app consumed 300 MB of my data. And I did not launch it once. Bros, now I uninstalled it yesterday. That is on the spot. Yeah, you were installed yesterday. Get out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come out. Cast out the evil spirit. Evil app. Spirits that peep and mutter. It's not in your Bible. What am I going to say? Christians, you're already being monitored. So if it's monitoring that's your problem, forget it. The only way you'll not be monitored in this life eh, is to move to mass. Even then, all of us will know some, there's one guy on mass. What can you... Because it, people don't understand it. Okay, say so I won't use phone again. You know go go bank. You don't have ATM card. You know what they call BVN? It's a monetary spirit. If our country has fully monitored you, you want to register to vote, I said, guys, I'm not a criminal. They don't temperate me for this life. Eh? You know what they call printing? Fingerprint on ten fingers. You go bank. They say even to do tinted permit for, for motor car, ten print. Ah. Driver says, voter's card, BVN. Which one they do the other day? Oh? <laughs> Same card registration. Why am I talking like this, brethren? You're already being monitored. Give your life to Christ, amen? amen. Let Jesus protect you. The Bible says the glory of God will be your rear guard. That's what I trust in. Say, God, watch my back. Monitor my monitors. I've given my life to Christ. So Jesus, on my behalf, is monitoring Google. On my behalf, he's monitoring Amazon. On my behalf, who is he monitoring again? Uh, I know they use Apple and uh, I don't know. Uh, na, na, Israel and could they go Facebook? So he's monitoring in car and Israel. The Facebook on my behalf. So I'm putting they are monitoring me on Facebook. These are the men you are monitoring, not me. But I've told Jesus, monitor them. Monitor those who monitor me. It's in the Bible like that. <laughs> it's not in your Bible. It said the Lord will fight those who fight against you. I will monitor those who monitor you. Amen. Anything they plan against me through monitoring, the Lord shall use it to monitor them and do it against them. Google it here, so the Lord is on my side. So I'm not afraid. That's what I'm going to make. People of God, that's my message. Don't worry. There's so much of it against you already, so to speak, that there's no need worrying about it. I hope you know the, you know the first person to get to cyberspace. Do you know who that person is? The first person to get to cyberspace. He was there before the foundation of cyberspace. Are you guessing already? Jesus Christ, amen. 
He is the author and the finisher of cyberspace. There is no cyberspace that he did not get there first or create. By him, all things were created. Without him was nothing created that was created. I use the word made. What does that tell you? Things that we move out of, things that are already made already. He was there. So he's the Lord of cyberspace. So don't be afraid. That is the point I'm making. Christians make it look like you enter cyberspace, Antichrist has gotten you. Jesus was on cyberspace before Antichrist was born. Do you get my point? Internet is not the doing of, of one human being. God invented, no, he gave it to us as a modern day Roman road. Were not for this Google and Google I'm talking about right now, how will you be seen? Are you not watching me right now on Facebook, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter? You are listening to me on Mixella right now as I'm speaking. You probably downloaded this thing with a Microsoft app. Think about it. The Lord is the Lord of cyberspace. I said everything I said, first of all, to let you know that there's no need to be afraid. You're already in it. You can't escape it. And there's no need to be afraid of it. The Lord went in there ahead of you. Please, I hope you're getting my point. You know, I'm saying many things, and I know I'm helping people. I'm saying many things. Why did I get into that? Listen, it's just a digression talking about the mark of the beast. Don't be afraid. If you are not the worshiper of the beast or his image, they cannot sneak the mark on you. So make sure your heart is always worshiping the Lord. And marks everybody worshipped puts a mark on the worshiper. Paul said, I bear on my body the brand marks of Christ Jesus. The angel said to the prophet, you know, the prophet saw the angel say, first of all, wait. Go into the city. Jeremiah was observing. Go and mark everybody who sighs and groans because of the iniquity that's in the land. So you see that God also marks his own people. I hope you're getting my point. That's why Paul said, nobody should trouble me, please. I bear even on my body the brand marks of Christ Jesus. God marked him in the spirit and marked him in the flesh. So what you concern about is not what is the mark of the beast. What you concern you. You know, I went into this without planning it, so I know I'm helping people right now. What should concern you is that, am I carrying the mark of Christ? What do I have in my hand? Whose brand mark do I have on myself? If people look into the realm of the Spirit, whose mark would they find on me? If you have the mark of Jesus Christ, listen, the way it is in the Spirit is that you can't take both. That is why the mark of the beast is given to those who worship him or worship his image. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The Lord is good. Uh huh. Let's bear that in mind. So, I can do that. <laughs> You know, we're trying to talk about um, our power for wealth, right? Uh, yeah, okay. I finally got into that. I, just, I kept on going from one thing to another, from one thing to another. But I know where I began from. So, we are supposed to be sowing the right spiritual seeds into the earth with discipline. With discipline. With discipline. Our apostasy as a body, the body of Christ, is what invites the negative spirits. So, what we should do is ensure that we continue putting in the right spiritual atmosphere around us. Like I said, first of all, with our prayers and with the words that we speak and also with our behavior. What I mean is that if, I mean, it's not just what you say now, how you behave, how you making your choices. If you are making your choices as if in this life alone you have hope, then you are injecting the negative spirit. So what we do is to inject the right spirit into the environment where the salt of the earth, where the ones that prevent 
divine judgment from coming upon the earth. I said earlier, you have riders. There's a rider on the red horse, rider on the black horse, the rider on the ashen horse, there's a rider on the white horse, and they've gone out, the Bible says, set to conquer. I hope you're getting my point. They're set to conquer. And they are the signs of divine judgment. They are divine judgment. They ride over the earth. But when we say we are the salt of the earth, God will look and say, suspend judgment over this portion of land because I have my ten righteous. Now, ten now does not have to be one, two, three, four, five, seven, nine, ten, like Abraham was counting. But there's a ten principle we can find inside there. All right? So that's our duty, and we must continue to do our duties. That just to remind us of something. So back to how it affects what we are teaching right now. Let's just read a particular scripture. That's why, I'm, uh, that's why I went into it. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, they said in the next verse, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Now notice what he said in verse 4. Restore our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. If you read another translation, you will say, as streams renew the desert. And that's the one I really like to read. Restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. That's New Living Translation. And then God answered and said, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. That was a prophetic word. He who goes to and fro, weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves or harvest with him. And New Living Translation says that they sing as they return with the harvest. So what was he saying here? Please listen to this. What God was saying to us here in this prophetic word is that when people... Now, please, remember where we started from. Grace, right? Talk about grace. We succeed by grace. Now, I now want to the fact that we are the salt of the earth. We are the reasons God will preserve a land. There are two sides to it, I was saying. I didn't complete the second one. The second one I'm going into now. First, by our prayers, by our prophetic words, by our lifestyle, we affect the atmosphere. But when God has commanded a blessing, when God has commanded a blessing, he now gives us the next assignment to do. He says that when people are praying, restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. This is the instruction I have for them. Those who sow in tears, that is, there's an instruction there, they must go out sowing. If you go and read the story of Genesis, it's a bit tricky to understand sometimes. You first read Genesis chapter 1, it will appear as if everything was all right. God created this, it was this. God created this, it was good. He said, let there be this, he was good. Then now go to chapter 2. And so I'm telling you that this is a history. In the days before there was this, are you getting my point? You now see a pattern as if uh, what appeared okay before, suddenly it is missing now. Now, the way I, I want to bring out from, uh, what I want to bring out from it for us now is that when God speaks a word, do you understand? He speaks as if it is final and it is done. Like Miles Monroe will say in his days that God does not start until he has finished. This is what Miles Monroe will say. That before God, um, let's say, brings a person to the earth, a man, all right? And that person is going to build great things on this earth for God. 
and maybe he'll pass on at the age of, let's just say, 102, okay, just across 100, that God will first write the days of the individual, Miles Morris used to teach us, and then when he has written out the whole life, the whole impact, everything, and the end of his day at the age of 102, you now see it final. He eventually writes his history first. Then when that has been completed, he will now go back and give birth to the person. I don't know whether you are getting my point. But it's possible for you to see the whole life and the person is not yet born. So that's why God will say to Abraham, a father of many nations, I have made you. And Sarah has not given, even, even Hagar has not done anything. And God is saying, the father of many nations, I have made pastors. So Miles Moore will teach us those days that God does not start until he has finished. So when God commands a blessing, it is finished. When God says that the land is blessed, it is finished. Then he now turns around and says, so in tears. I hope you are getting my point. That is, I have pronounced a blessing upon the land. I have pronounced productivity upon the land. Take a, a, a nation like Israel. He will tell them, I have given you the land of Sihon, you know, of the, you know, uh, Sion, the king of, uh, what, what, what was, August of Bashan. Sion was of the Amorites, I think, yes. He now tell you that, I've given him his land. You have given me. So what do I do? You say, contend with him in battle. Ah, excuse me. You say you have given me. Please drive him, let me collect my land. God will now say, now begin to contend with him in battle. I have given you the land of the Amorites, begin to contend with them in battle. That is, the only reason you can contend is because I have given. I did not give you the land of the Moabites. Don't annoy them. I did not give you the land of the Ammonites. Don't annoy them. I did not give you the land of the Edomites. Don't annoy them. But I gave you the land of the Amorites. I gave you the land of Og, of Bashan. Now begin to contend with him in battle. Do you get the principle here? So what God is saying is this. You have prayed. Now this is how it comes down for us practically. I have explained to you that you are blessed. I have told you that there is no curse in your life that can keep you down. I have explained that to you. But you can remain broke. You can remain jobless. You can remain perpetually angry with everybody. Except you begin to contend in battle. A lot of people don't realize that this prosperity thing, this productivity thing, we have to contend in battle. I'd like to give this illustration. The conversation I had one of our sisters in Portacourt. One day she called me. said she needs to talk to me about something. They're about to make investments that's going to cost a lot of money in Portacourt. And that, but the way the society is, you know, the instability. You know, Niger Delta people, Portacourt Rivers, they really had, ha. Ah, you know, they used to call it Garden City. Does anybody remember that name anymore? In fact, most young people, they've never heard Garden City before. Uh, you know, let, brethren, let me just say something. Concerning Nigeria, we have to contend in battle. Because many things I remember when I was young, when you think of just those days, it was like the paradise of God in Nigeria. We did not know it was a place where we would be killing each other. To travel there would become a problem. Portacourt was called the Garden City. When we were children, we envied people who went to Kaduna. Honestly. Things don't, the things can't turn. You know, turn. Turn so badly. Restore our captivity, O oh Lord. Amen. It's a serious prayer. 
And I hear my spirit that God is saying that I give you, my children, the land. Yeah, that's it. I have given you the land. I have given. Not I'm planning to give. I have given. And when I have given, what do you do? You begin to contend. So she asked me that day, look at all the Christ and everything. I'm even thinking of you know, relocating to, back to the UK. I said to her, don't worry. I'm coming to Portacos soon. We'll see. We used to have programs there. I said to her simply, here's money you want to invest. And listen to me. This is how we Christians behave. We do not love our lives even when faced with death. What do I mean by that? I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing you you won't lose money. And I said that to her. I said, invest your money. And it's going to be a lot of money. But invest it. Why? Let me add our conversation and the scriptures together. Because the Bible says, he that sows in tears. Not he that sows when it is comfortable. Not he that sows when there's assurance of returns. He said, he that sows in tears. Meaning that even what he's sowing is difficult to get. It's precious seed. Seed that he has little of it. Risky seed. I keep on saying, faith is not a guarantee of everything will go well. Faith means I trust God. And whatever comes my way, my life is in his hands. Uh, now, please follow me. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that when I make that kind of statement, they are thinking I'm saying that, uh, just do it, it shall prosper. I begin to prophesy. I don't do fake prophecy. I don't prophesy to make people happy. At least I try not to. I said, I said to her, can you lose the money? I said, of course, certainly. I said, but, and please, you must understand something. How did the Bible say it again? He said, um, the sons of uh, the Ephraim, they were armed. But in the day of battle, they turned back and broke my covenant. The word Ephraim was picked to typify the whole of Israel. I hope you're getting my point. That there was strength in the people of God. They were armed. Yet in the day of battle, they turned back. Now, why did they turn back in the day of battle? It is simple. Because they were giants in the land. Please, I hope you're following my point here. Listen. God gives us, one of the weapons he gives us, materially speaking. Hmm? Materially speaking. What I want to say will sound funny. is our money. So I said to her, I said, plant it. When you have planted it, let me tell you something. When prayer time comes, our voices don't sound all the same in the realm of the spirit. Some voices in the realm of the spirit, they are powerful and commanding. When they say seize, angels will rise and hold back the waves. Angels will ride and block battles from happening. And the person saying sees on the earth, he hardly just got up at midnight, knelt down for five minutes and said sees. And there are people that declared, today is warfare. We are going to pray and heaven gate will open. <laughs> There's going to be shower today. Begin to pray. Is that what you call prayer? I said, pray. Then they remove their shirts. <laughs> and in heaven, the angels are hearing. Hello? Any angel at home? We have small trouble here. <laughs> that is one gentle tapping. Why? It is not the volume of the voice. There are a number of things that make voices powerful in the realm of the spirit. One of them, now I'm not talking about all of them now, all right? 
One of them is the, how, how do I say it? Okay, let me explain this way. When I told that sister, I said, put your money there. When you have put your money there, you know what you have done? You have put your face there. You have dug in into that place. You have said to the spirits, my father has given me the land and I'm going to contend for it. I hope you're getting my point. And you did that by just investing money. So when you pray and say, Father, let wars cease. Heavens will hear, boom. Then those who carried their children went to hide them abroad. Who converted their money rapidly to dollar and kept under the pillow? Do you get my point here? Who quickly divested from Guaranteed Trust Bank? Um, give me another company in Nigeria, UAC, all those Nigerian companies, and went to invest in Tesla. You know Tesla? In America. Then the same people would turn and say, let us pray for, let's pray for this river state. God said, bros, people, go home and go and sit down. You have no skin like they say in the game. You have no stake. You have already prepared a safe haven for yourself, for your family. What are you praying about? They will shout for days and the Lord will not listen. Because we think that prayer is just about the noise we make. Christians, eh? I told you, we are warriors. We are in a battle. We are in a battle. We are warriors. We are in a battle. If you are not ready to risk, you see, these are the two most important things in your life. All right? That is you as a person now. That is, if I carry your body and look. First, your body. Next, your money. When Satan wanted to fight Job, after removing his children and everything, what did he go for? Two things. One, his goods. After that, his flesh. So it's very critical. God, look. <laughs> what I want to say will make you laugh. You'll be amazed that I'm the one saying it. God looks at what to do with your money before he answers your prayers. He said, Pastor Frankie, but he said we should do so sit. Did I say you should come and give me an offering? I don't mean whether you gave an offering. That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. I've already told you what I mean anyway. If you first gather your money to go and hide it somewhere, they now want to pray about the land. God said, I see where your money went. Where man's treasure is. Answer me now. There's heart is also. You're, you've kept your money in Dubai. Your heart is in Dubai. No matter how much you pray for Portacot, I can't listen. Your heart is not there. Have you not read in your scriptures the effect, effectual, heartfelt prayer, continued prayer of a righteous man avails much? Where's, what is your heart feeling? The temperature of Dubai. Don't worry, my soul. Leave that prayer alone. That's what I mean. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. You can't say, let us pray for Enugu. Every investment you want to make is in Abuja. Every investment you want to make is in Lagos. Bro, stop worrying our souls. God gave you money. Why can't you create just for us here too? That's what I mean, that God checks what you do with your money. I don't mean that, uh, no Christians, you know why you don't understand this money thing? They say, yes, I planted this seed. Rubbish. That is not, it's, it's, you know, the, Apostle, we don't have any offering basket in front here. It's at the back. <laughs> Your own offering basket. Why come that back in the day? Eh? That's where the door is. So before you go, you must drop. <laughs> the Lord is good. Christians think it's the one I planted the shade in the offering basket. There are many things that are speaking you don't realize. 
Jesus said it. Where a man's treasure is, where a heart will be also. So sometimes God gives us treasure and say, listen, physical money. Say, so where do you want to prosper? He says, so in that land. You know, I had a chat with some of my colleagues was yesterday. One senior colleague said, let's remember, coronavirus has not gone. It was a chat, I'm just putting a voice to it. Let's remember, coronavirus has not gone, so let's, uh, let's wear masks. I said, why do we keep on trying to persuade coronavirus that it hasn't gone? Coronavirus said, guys, I'm tired of you people. God has blessed you, I've left you. I see telling everybody, every day I've not gone. You know, people just want to claim, claim the disease. Ah, how can America have coronavirus? Europe have coronavirus and we don't have. How will we develop? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how your mom is reading. If you're already complex. I've told people that the vaccine will not sell in Nigeria. If you give it free, people don't go take. My mother-in-law went to market one day in Benin. She sat in her car, just sat inside her car at the, at the back there. Young wine down to buy something. <laughs> That's some months ago. So she entered the market. She was in the car, saw the market. Everywhere hustling, you know, bustling, bustling with human beings. Ah! So she called the person that was selling something to her. I said, please, you have not heard of coronavirus. Nobody's wearing masks. Nobody's even doing any social distancing or anything. You know what the person told her? He said, madam, you did like this. Say this whole area, nobody don't die. <laughs> Nobody done that. I said, you see, so the market will say, God is not even making. We are fine. And really, it's God. Somebody say it's God. It's God. No, it's, it's God. It's God. It's, it's God. Let me get back. I know that was just a digression. So that person said, please be careful. Look, I said, okay, good morning, sir. I said, what we have right now, this is the advice we should be giving people. That our current contention right now in Nigeria is yellow fever and hunger. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. I said, so for yellow fever, please go and collect the yellow fever vaccine, which is very easily available. There's no special research they are doing. It's been effective for a very long time. I said, number two, which way I'm talking about it. I said, the medicine for hunger. I said, those of you who have money, please start a small business and create jobs for people. That's where I'm going. I said, some of you, Federal government keeps paying you with printed money, money they don't have. They just print it and pay you. I'm sorry, CBN. I'm not saying you do that, but you know you do. But <laughs> money. Now, printing press. It's, it just don't, now, don't abuse Nigeria. America will print $1 trillion when they need it. They call it quantitative easing. You know what it means? We don't have money, so we went to the press. Check it, check it, check it, check it. And we shared it out. Don't worry, it will, it will get value in your hands. Don't worry. It's ordinary paper. One will produce it. But by the time you change it three or four times, it now has a full value of $100. So I said, listen, those of you who are getting money, I said, go and start something. Have a small business. That's what I'm telling the story. And when I said that, I realized that, listen, I really meant it, although we're just kind of joking and bantering, but I said, listen, this is what life is supposed to be. He said, restore our captivity. The land has been blessed. I hope you're getting my point. So it now says, who, the, the, now this land has been blessed. There's nothing on it. So what is God saying? So in tears in that land. That day I told the sister, I said, please, so in that, I said, invest the money. 
Can you lose it? Why not? We will lose money. I said, but it must not be heard, which is why I quoted that scripture, that the day of battle, the son of Ephraim turned back because of fear. It's better, it's more honorable to die in battle. Yeah, it's more honorable. What I mean by dying in battle? We lost the money in the battle. But because you must understand, we are contending for land. That's the point I'm making. Not land as in we want to own the land, but we want to conquer the earth for the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He has given it to the sons of men. I hope you're getting my point. So we are conquering it because he has given it to us. How do we do it? That's the point I'm making. We saw in the land. One of the major problems, let me tell you something. Eh? One major reason why a lot when Nigeria as a country is not as rich as it should be, is that people who God gave money long ago, they sow abroad. They easily sow abroad. And one reason why God just took some of these men, a man like Dan Gota, and said, let me make him an example for my people to see, is that the man kept on sowing in the land. For his own reason, he, you must understand that people did do things for different reasons. Maybe his own reason is different from mine, but at the end of the day, he sold in the land. I remember then, beautiful testimony. I mean, like, illustration of how life works. GSM lines were being auctioned. Everybody queue up. A number of companies, quite a number, decided to bid. You put on your deposit, let's do the bidding. They continued to bid, they continued to bid. They got to $150 million. Guys dropped out. They got to $200 million. Akim Bilal Sagi dropped out. He was leading a consortium, he dropped out. They kept on bidding. You remember, they got to 275, I think, 285 million dollars. Okay? That was when they had three people. One was reserved for Nitel, so they were, they were given four licenses. The licenses were exclusive for 15 years. So four GSM licenses exclusive for 15 years available. One reserved for Nitel, three being auctioned. So once you, once they, once they have, I mean, the, the level where three people we, we reach is where they stop. So when they cross 285, only two were remaining. So they dropped back to 285 and gave the licenses. Now, Akim Bilosagi is what I'm talking about. After that, they asked him a question. He said that no GSM company that pays $200 million for a license can make profit in Nigeria. So he dropped out. Pascal Doze was part of the consortium of MTN bidding for the license. They asked him. He said it's not about profit. It's about development. Nigeria must have the network. Did you hear what I said? He said it's not about profit. It's about development. That Abba, how will it be that the rest of the world is advancing? Where, where, where are we? Do you know what happened? A few years ago. Now, this one I'm telling you about is about almost 20 years ago now, right? Yes, Obasan just said that 99, so that was like 2000. Yeah. So that's about 20 years ago. About three years ago, Akim Belo Asagi, the same man, was giving a lecture in America. And he said that was the worst business decision of my life. He said, it was, he said to drop out from that bidding was the worst business decision of my life. He said, because now we look back and we know that the real value of that license was in the neighborhood of $800 million. He said at $285 million, it was a giveaway. That's why he said, those that sow in tears, Said they will reap with joy. He said, those that sow in tears will do what? We reap with joy. That's why I keep on telling you, you contend for land. You know, that's what I'm going to say. That day I told our sister, I said, please, eh, 
I don't care how much money it is. And it wasn't small money we were talking about. That money must have been scores of millions of naira. Uh, no, just about a few, about two years ago. I said, please, invest your money. Can you lose it? I kept saying, yes, you may lose it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing you you will not lose it. But for goodness sake, let it be that next time you want to pray, you can open your mouth. Because where a man's treasure is, his heart is there. And James said to us, the effectual, heartfelt, continued prayer of the righteous man avails much. It's difficult to pray for a land that you have no investment in. Very hard. I don't know about now, but some time ago, they asked Aleko Dangote, he said he doesn't have a house abroad. And you see small, small boys, they just got a job in one gas company, oil company, telecom company, big bank. First thing they do, buy a house abroad. They noted that government is favoring somebody. If you look, it is not government that's favoring some, some, some people, it's government. Do you know what I said? God just said, Look, let me just bless this individual. That's the point I'm making. I'm building up to something to help us understand that the, especially if God has given you that anointing, that, that, um, that grace, because now, I'm going to say things that may not be strictly applicable to everybody, but at least those who it applies to should be able to pick on what I'm about to say. God didn't send you to enjoy life. He sent you to affect life. Enough of carrying all your money to enjoy. You know, so the way I see young Nigerians waste money in what they call holidays, it baffles me. I say, is it that you have no vision, no dream, no goal, nothing? What have you done to end this amount of lavish living? How can you blow in one week? All right? What it takes an average person three years to end. And you are comfortable. And you're not that rich. You know, I keep on saying something. What I'm saying, I know people who are that rich. Flying first class, first class to Europe to go and pick their bag is nothing. In fact, some of these men, you know, we tell some of their stories. Maybe, now, let me just make myself sound like an important man when it comes to money matters, even though you know I'm not, but let's just pretend for a moment. <laughs> so imagine that they want to see Pastor Banky. No, no, sorry. Uh, Chief Banky, you understand? <laughs> let's not pastor this thing. You understand? <laughs> Someone say, I want to see Chief Banky. They've tried. This really happened. Men I know. Somebody just leak it to them. He's going to London on Wednesday. How is he flying? They say he's flying Air Nigeria. It's all right, fine. You know what they do? They go and book first class ticket Air Nigeria to London. They have no business in London. They just want to be on the same plane. The man enters the plane. So Chief Banky sits down. One man who wants to see him enters and greets him because you know it's now it's first class. He's where the. <laughs> Top of the food chain, you know, like they say. So Jesus will just starts, he quickly winds down to where he's actually on the plane, he talks about the gist. The flight is a few hours, doesn't need more than 30 minutes of the man's time. This man I, I heard about, the plane landed, he went to the men's room, they washed his face, took the next flight, came back to Lagos. Just blew a first class ticket, return to talk to somebody for 30 minutes. No, people do that. No, really, they do that. So people like that, they decide that, ah, I want to stretch my back. They go and stretch it in Amsterdam. You know it's not a problem. What annoys me are these small, small suffering, 
really poor, pretending rich people. Just see them blowing money recklessly. Just say, are you planning to be rich for a long time? I don't think so. You can't live certain lives at certain times. It's too early. Restore our captivity, O oh Lord, our strength in the desert. I tell you, listen. I, I, I don't preach invest your money so you can be rich. That's not my preaching. One is that God has said something clearly. That Nigeria government will not be able to provide for everybody. It's not, a, it's not them. It's God's decree. So, Lord, who provides for other people? He said, people like you. See, he says, so in the land. Ah, there are so many things to say, practical things. First, I said last time, everybody has a job. I don't want to hear I don't have a job. Everybody has. If we have to go and volunteer free somewhere, that's the job. But each person must be contributing something into the environment. Dream of and ask the Lord of starting a business. Why? Because in your mind, if I start a business, I'll employ one person. One person you have employed is one person of the labor market. And you know what? One day, God will raise you up, you will employ a hundred. Let me pray this prayer. A time will come. Working for you will be a prayer point for young men and women. They will be so seed that they are applied in your company. Sometimes you see federal government telling you about small and medium scale enterprises. You know why they talk about that? Because they know that that is what employs people in a country. Federal government right now, they are overloaded. Over. In fact, I'm sure they want to re- drop retirement to the age of 55. Sometimes they want to do that. But basically, they can't handle it. That's the point I'm making. And I'm explaining to the people of God. You know what God has said? Everybody must do what? Sow in tears. He that watches the wind will not sow. He that observes the clouds will not reap. Either living Bible or one of those uh, paraphrases said it like this. Anybody waiting for conditions to be perfect will get nothing done. These are people you must never have as friends. People always tell you what is wrong. Because things have been wrong since I was a child. And Dangote was poor when I was a child. In the midst of everything being wrong, you know what happened? He became the richest man. African man. Things are always bad. So it's not news. So anybody who will sit down with you every day tell you what's wrong in this country. I was giving a lecture the other day, online lectures, you know, for in the university. So, of course, no matter what I do, because you're giving online lectures, people are there, I have about 150 students logged in and we're teaching. I break once in a while. So, if you have a question, please, just, if you, if you use Zoom, you know, put up your hand. So, I just saw the hands up, start unmuting them once in a while, one by one. There one chap, as soon as I unmuted him, he wanted to give a suggestion. Instead of just saying, sir, I have a problem with data connection. He wanted to give a suggestion how the lecture can be done so that those who have, you know, unsteady uh, connection can, you know, still be able to benefit. Instead of saying that, you know, you know how I started? He said, sir, you know nothing working in this country. You know, this country does not work. I muted him back and never unmuted him again. He typed, please unmute me, sir. I said, me? In my class? He ain't talking. I said, oh, you're a complainer, Abby. I know a lot of young people, they think that, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, there, there, there's this hype about it. There's this, it's, you know, being aware, thank you very much. Like they say, it's woke. You know, it's not woke. You know what they call the woke culture? You wake up to a bad thing. People like that, 
Mute them in your life. Mute them in your life. You know the truth? Things will, let me tell you, things, good things will happen. Do you know the reason why? Because God is raising enough people who will inject the positive spiritual substance into this nation. And whether the nation likes it or not, it will stabilize, it will prosper. Because we will ask God to do it. And we have asked him to do it and he's going to do it. Yes. People have such negative thoughts. They don't let people do anything. They keep on saying, this will not work, this will not work. You know what he said? So you're sitting in the morning. Solomon was speaking. And he was speaking from experience. He said, at night, don't withhold your hand. He said, because you don't know which one will prosper. Or whether both of them are like, will prosper. As the same person that said, he that's watch, waiting for conditions to be perfect, will get nothing done. I'm giving you the wisdom of Solomon again this evening. So you're sitting in the morning. Listen, a righteous man fails how many times? You can do seven businesses and they fail. Once you don't die, do the eighth one. That's the point I'm making. I'm speaking to people that will shake away this I'm afflicted culture. I'm a dependent person. President Buhari should come from Abuja to come and help me. Why are they not helping me? Why are they not helping me? I'm talking to people who God has spoken to that you are the helpers I have raised for the nation. That's what I'm talking about. There are many people listening to me. People have discouraged me for a long enough. Say, save this one for your future. God said, who told you you will have a future if I don't bless you? Faith is risky. When I say risky, we risk, take risks with our lives when we say we are walking by faith. We take risks with our lives. What am I going to say? The money I have kept aside that uh, in the future, God said, take it. I've given you ideas. Invest it in the ideas. Pastor what if I lose the money? Oh, you, will you be the first? Robert Kiyosaki says something which is so scriptural. <laughs> Okay, not scriptural, but very true, godly truth. He said, I've seen many poor people that have never lost a dime. He said, I've never seen a rich man that's never lost money. He said, there are many poor people that have never lost anything. He said, but rich people, they're losing money. It's nothing new to them. They are trying to just look at the business and say, let me cut my losses. So it becomes part of the stories we have to tell. Big money, they wipe it off. It's the reason why one day they will be big. It's the reason why one day they will be the one employing labor. It's the reason why one day they will have 1,000 people on their payroll. It's the reason why one day people will be so seeds in church to get a job with their company. Please, I hope you're getting my point. I'm talking about redeemers. That God has made us redeemers for the land. Not people always queuing up. You know, everything has stages in life. There's a stage in which you are the one begging for a job, begging for a job. But realize that that stage cannot be permanent. No, it shouldn't be permanent. No, no. In the time, you just get angry. Just get angry. I'm not even working again. Leave it. <laughs> Let me just go and employ somebody. The only thing right now I can think of where I will employ two people is I will be frying a car. I hope you know these people that make up a fry a car. They are touching more lives than most civil servants in Nigeria. One guy cracked a joke once. Very beautiful joke. He says some people don't know how important they are in your life. See, imagine this Akara woman. She didn't open today, and I've already bought the bread. <laughs> the woman frying the Akara is feeding some people, selling the Akara to them. They're making money feeding her family, keeping the person with the meal 
working. Oh, it's called value chain. Keeping the person with the beans, selling beans, coming back. Who keeps the person transporting beans in business? Who keeps the farmer planting beans? And thank God who keeps on giving us rain and sunshine to keep the beans growing. The power belongs to God. <laughs> Let me leave it here. All of us must make up our minds that must create value in the environment. It will cost you time. It will cost you money. We're not talking about you becoming rich. We're just saying that you are the reason why two or three people will be busy every day. And you know what? God will make those two or three become 10,000. Let's bow our heads. Let's say, Lord, thank you for power to create wealth. Let's say, Lord, thank you for power to create wealth.